building better relationships at home and at work for people who have more than enough on their plate. Two coaches dangling the possibility of finding joy in your relationships. Do you dare to consider life can be better? Have a listen and tell us why. In today's podcast episode, Angela and Patty discuss taking responsibility for your choices. Yes, personal responsibility of your choices and actions in your relationships. Are all of your exes narcissists? (laughs) (laughs) I really think about that because I have a few friends that tend to call all of their exes a narcissist. And I wonder how helpful is it to label them a narcissist? Some people I know have done that, label their ex as a narcissist, but it didn't help them move past the feelings, the bad feelings in the relationship, unless they also understood what inside them attracted them to someone with that narcissistic behavior or what they'd learnt from leaving that person. And yes, Patty, I have made some choices in relationships that caused me a lot of grief. However, when I see the choices I made and why I made them, it has completely changed the way I see myself and has given me a much more powerful and empowered relationship with myself. I think, Angela, we've all made some choices in our lives that we do regret or they were for a learning experience to make us a better person. And Patty, how many years would you say, I mean, it's probably different for each choice, but I notice now I'm older that when I look back on things 20 years ago, it's different to when I looked back at it when I was 10 years younger. So hindsight, it's just so weird the way you look at those choices so differently at different times. I think when you're in the moment and you're so heartbroken or hurt, you can't see the good that came out of it until years later. And if you hadn't made that choice, would your life be different? But you can't go back and change time. So by self-reflecting and learning from that and realizing that it takes two to make a relationship and you made choices in that relationship as well that may have hurt the other person, So it's looking at both sides of the fence Mm. and realizing there was a reason for this relationship. And at the time, you may have been a jealous person. Mm -hmm. And now you aren't so jealous. The relationship may have been different if it was 20 years later. (laughs) Yeah. And I, I even know couples where they think, 10 years later, if they were a different person, they would still be with that person that they ended up leaving. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I have an example of 
myself when I was younger, I was going out with someone who was sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes rude and critical of me. And often I felt belittled and I'd find myself in my room sad, very much like a dog licking its wounds, very quiet and feeling downtrodden. And I did a lot of work on the relationship. I thought I was very conscious. <laughs> I was trying to understand why that person was mean and I modified my behaviour, but the person was still rude at times. And they were generally a really kind person. It was just at times I kept finding myself feeling beaten down by them. And eventually, I realized that no matter what that person said, I was feeling excessively beaten down. And finally, I saw an old wound from childhood, perhaps many cumulative wounds where I was not good enough in my family's eyes. And I would behave in exactly the same way in my room, feeling beaten down and not lovable. So this person helped me to start to heal this very old pattern by first letting me see it. And then I realized the relationship was a gift to let me see my unconscious response to that person's harsh words. If I didn't see my unconscious response of feeling so beaten, I never would have gone on the healing journey to heal those wounds. And because this person was generally nice, I was able to see how when they weren't nice, the, how that helped me see my hurt. So then I could finally do something about that hurt. And that's what it means when we say in spiritual circles about being conscious, because I hear too many times it's thrown around like, oh, that person's so unconscious or be <laughs> conscious of your behavior. And I hear people accuse other people of not being conscious. Well, if you're accusing other people of not being conscious, that's not being conscious. <laughs> okay. um, being conscious is not about pointing out others as wrong. Being conscious is about being conscious of what's going on inside of you. So going back to our topic about personal responsibility being responsible of seeing your inside is different when you are dealing with a true narcissist I do know people who are true narcissists but later on Patty's going to describe that condition more true narcissists are actually very few narcissism is an actual mental condition today there is an increase in narcissistic traits habits and behaviors and some of them have celebrated publicly through social media through the focus on the selfie and showing off how great you are and your feelings being more important than anybody else's yes narcissistic behavior is on the rise in our public relationships in our society. So I wanted to review narcissistic uh, traits from the actual Greek myth of the character Narcissus. I once did a theatre piece based on the Greek myth of Narcissus staring at himself in the mirror 
well, in the myth, he was staring in the lake, which is like a mirror. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And in the theatre piece, I used an actual oval mirror. My piece was called The Myths of Love. And in it, I portrayed my character as lost and unaware of who she was and lost in the fantasy of what she thought love was. And it's a really good analogy of how people approach love and the world of relationships. Most people are lost in an image or idea of themselves without a real picture of their inner world. And so much they become obsessed with that idea or picture of themselves rather than the reality. So in relationships, when we have narcissistic behavior, we see our choices in love as serving an idea of who you think you are or who you want to be. And we escape seeing who you really are and we don't see the consequences of your narcissistic behaviors for yourself or others. And for all of us, when you don't see or don't understand who you are, you often find yourself in relationships where you're not happy and you feel lost. And in order to grow up and take personal responsibility, you need to learn how to see and learn how to understand yourself so that you can see why you landed in that relationship in the first place. And then you can start taking action to change your perception of the relationship and change the nature of the relationship or leave the relationship if it is not for you or if it's abusive. Because our society is too focused on labeling people, we're not looking at what leads us to end up in a specific relationship. And we ignore what that relationship is teaching us about ourselves. And then we miss We can't see what we're not seeing or understanding about ourselves. I marvel that the ancient Greeks had a myth about Narcissus, who was too busy staring at his reflection in the lake, too busy so he could not hear or see the nymph Echo, who was in love with him, and she echoed his name, which he thought was just a voice repeating to himself. (laughs) How wonderful he was. He couldn't hear echoes love. The myth so well describes the core issue that we do not see ourselves and therefore we miss the lesson of the relationship. However, today we're still not taking responsibilities for the choices that we make and we're not taking the lessons from the relationships that we have. Angela, it's becoming common now that people are starting to label and blame the end of the relationship on their former partner, that they were a narcissist. Instead of taking responsibility for the choices they made within the relationship and the other person. Yeah, it's a fascinating habit that's formed. I came across a book called Brainwash by David Perlmutter. And in it, he says, narcissism is a symptom of modern high-tech society. And he says it's connected to what he calls disconnection syndrome. Disconnection syndrome means you're disconnected from friends, 
disconnected from true intimacy. You've lost passion and purpose for life and you develop a lack of empathy and you're not happy. But most importantly, from my point of view, (laughs) you're disconnected from yourself, your true self. The book Brainwash has some interesting statistics about millennials, such as they dedicate one hour of the week to taking selfies. And it's estimated they will take some 25,000, I was going to say 2,500, but it's actually 25,000 selfies in their lifetime. Wow. And yeah, that's from 2019. And I wonder how that might have changed due to the pandemic. And Patty, there's also a general rise in narcissistic behavior in our society where people are obsessed with their self-image or their point of view, having their point of view heard and making sure that their point of view perhaps is heard at the sacrifice of others or it's more important or somehow they think it's not being heard, which reminds me of our myth from the ancient Greeks. So the environment we live in and our habits of using social media has increased the level of narcissistic behaviour in people. So this book, Brainwash, by David Perlmutter, has a bunch of studies showing that there's a correlation between these narcissistic behaviours and to generations that use more social media or were born into social having social media from when they grew up. So that could be a way to make it easier for them to blame people <laughs> for narcissistic behaviour because it's a very common cultural attitude. Kind of like how when I grew up, I grew up after the generation of the hippies in the 60s. And so we were blamed for being lazy or alternative counterculture. And unfortunately, the rise in selfishness is a generational trajectory that seems to be exacerbated by high tech. So instead of blaming others, we can start to look at where are we being selfish? Where are are we thinking I'm right and everyone else is wrong? That's a classic narcissistic trait. And that's the first step to personal responsibility in relationships. Are you going to become conscious of where you're making others wrong all the time and start to look inside yourself? Well, you know, it's interesting, um, Angela, when you were talking about the selfies, I was thinking about when I was young, everybody avoided the camera. We didn't want our oh, yeah. photo to be taken. <laughs> now, now it's totally the opposite. That just makes me laugh. Angela, it's easier to blame everything on the other person instead of self-reflecting on what went wrong within the relationship. When self-reflecting, ask these questions to yourself. What did I learn? What will I look for before entering into another relationship the next time? What do I want from a relationship? And one of the most important things to self-reflect on, I feel, is what are the deal breakers for me? 
I wrote a blog post about making good choices. It is about overhearing a conversation that makes you think about considering options before jumping right into the relationship. So check it out. In that blog, you were talking about someone making a choice about whether to move their life to be with an old flame, an old love, which included moving their kids. And there were two options that that person could have considered. They could wait and find out more about the person or jump in. (laughs) (laughs) And although, you know, if you have to move your family, there's a, a lot of people involved in that jumping in. So it wasn't just an easy choice to jump in. And often I find people don't realize that when you do jump in, that sometimes you are making a choice that will be good. And sometimes you are making a choice that will be bad. There's no guarantees. It could be good. It could be bad. But it's always a learning experience. And Patty, I was wondering if you could describe more about why it's so important about the red flags or sorry not the red flags the deal breakers yes sometimes you think you're in love with someone and you look past those warning signs and and make the wrong choices and I think you know we're looking back at the past at that past love right and People change. Time changes people. Circumstances change people. Right. And that's a really poignant thing about circumstances changing people. We have an idea. That's, I think that's a key point, Patty, about circumstances changing people. Right. That person that you were once in love with is not the same person that was 20 years ago or 15 years ago. And in, in your mind, you're thinking it's the same person that you felt so in love with, but something happened and or they never knew or all of those regretful things. But then you get to know them and they're not that same person or that person that you thought they were. Yeah. And I have examples of people who have reconnected with someone from the past, but they couldn't at the, in the time in the past, they weren't ready for each other or they weren't able to see that new person that then 20 years later, the person had become, then they were ready to be, in a relationship so it's it's never really fixed but it's really important to think about what's that idea you have about the other person and how is that idea a real relationship or is it some fantasy right that and you've created to yeah and take your time getting to know that person time is the answer not rushing in A lot of people make mistakes when they rush in. They get married after a week of knowing somebody or something like that. It it takes a good year to really get to know somebody. 
and even yeah. then you really don't right and you constantly actually don't really know your partner <laughs> that's right or yourself You're still learning <laughs> right so it's 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 a bit like waking up every morning and being surprised um so i i wanted to share about um there are people um that sometimes end up in relationships where the partner is quite abusive and and that is quite painful when you wake up and you find out or you start to accept or begin to accept that the person you thought you married is not that person. It's quite a hard, um, hard experience. In the past, in the, I, I knew lots of women who grew up when they were expected to stay with a person like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you, you probably might have know, know someone like that or have heard stories about that if you're younger. But there's lots of people who have stayed in relationships where the person was abusive because they thought they had to. We live in a modern society now and there's choices around that. So part of that is starting with responsibility to understand what you are in that relationship to learn. And if it's abusive, that can be too hard to start doing in a very conscious way. So you do need to look at finding ways to be safe. And that may be the first step to to do. What can you change in your life to begin to feel safe? If you're not in a highly abusive relationship, let's just say you're in a relationship where you're realising this is not a relationship I want to be in you can start to look at what changes you need to make in your life to implement what you've learned about what are your deal breakers what you will no longer tolerate and for me it wasn't only what I'll no longer tolerate but what I needed in place of for example criticism or not being spoken to in a manner that I deserved or I wanted to be spoken to. So I needed to to develop um, loving ways that I wanted to be spoken to. Many times in a relationship, you will be with someone who painfully teaches you a lesson. We don't always go into relationships to get this dreamlike love. Sometimes the lessons are painful. And that is a place where you can resolve habits of not speaking up, Uh, not being authentic to yourself and your needs. It's also where you can learn to walk away because now we live in a culture which allows people to walk away. We, We have lived in other societies as humans where you weren't allowed to walk away, but now our society permits that. And you can also learn to walk away by not attaching to what society or what other people think. That's a big thing to learn to walk away from a relationship and not feel shame about what other people think. And also how to walk away if you're taking a hit financially or you don't have financial security, material possessions, and sometimes even walking away and losing your children or affecting your kids. That can be a big thing to learn from. And I know it sounds like that's a hard thing to learn, 
but it's important if we're going to look at what what are behaviors that are hurting you in relationships why do we have relationships at all if they're going to hurt us there has to be a larger reason to learn from these relationships so we can learn how to be better people rather than just blaming others for being <laughs> not so nice or terrible people i've found that the hardest thing to do is to forgive yourself for making a choice in your relationship that led to a painful relationship. I've worked with a lot of people who married someone or got into a relationship with someone who was hurtful. And after that, they were able to learn what it was about themselves that they needed to see from being in those relationships. Then they were able to let go of the hurt or begin to accept that the relationship was part of their journey to learning the more of who they came to be. So now we're going to go back to the question, what is a narcissist? It is a disorder in which a person has an inflated sense of self-importance. A narcissistic personality disorder is found more commonly in men. The cause is unknown, but likely involves a combination of genetic and environmental factors. Symptoms include an excessive need for admiration, disregard for others' feelings, and an inability to handle any criticism and a sense of entitlement. I also wrote a blog post article a while back called a workplace phenomenon, phenomenon <laughs> in narcissistic, the narcissistic manager. Wow, that word. Okay, anyways, what are the warning signs that someone in leadership is a narcissist manager? They lack empathy and compassion. They're always right. They have poor listening skills and only want to listen to what they want to hear. They are all about titles and status. They don't believe in coaching or mentoring. They control and dominate group meetings. They are very competitive. They get rid of employees who don't agree with them or are independent thinkers. They want yes people in their inner circle. They are terrible at sustaining relationships. As they move up the corporate ladder, their characteristics become more and more apparent. When you read those, it's really insightful. It makes me think of people. Patty, how could narcissistic behavior be encouraged by corporate structures and how might an individual be able to change this? If someone who's listening, who's a leader and they want to impact their workplace or corporation, so it could be more group-centered or more human-centered. Centered. For some reason, narcissists gravitate to higher positions with their charm or overconfidence um, demeanor. Some leaders see 
overconfidence as an asset instead of getting to know the person's interaction with staff below them. It is this charm or is this charm genuine or just telling you what you want to hear to win you over and do the exact opposite. That happens a lot. What damage have they left in their previous positions? Who do they step on to get where they are now? What are people's body language saying behind the fake smile or nodding of their heads? You'll notice when um, people are agreeing with them instead of speaking out what they honestly want to say. What are the whispers behind closed doors? How do they react when they are challenged? Do they accept feedback? Does everyone jump to their command? Does the staff look fearful? How do they engage with staff when they think no one is watching? Is this person overconfident? and dominating the room? Are others in the room silent until asked a question? And how do they respond to the question? Are they afraid? Are they afraid to respond? Are they responding to try to please and not be honest? I feel observation could be the solution figuring out the truth and, and asking questions. When you see somebody like that, think about, watch. It normally comes out, the truth normally comes out. Angela, how does dance and meditation help with self-reflection and dealing with choices? So Patty, what if you're in a situation where you don't want to speak up, you're with in the room and you're feeling that fear of speaking up for fear of what might happen, what can they do? Well, I would recommend them not to speak up in the group, but speak up later one-to-one -one with the leader because you don't want to challenge them when you're in a group setting because there will be backlash. So if you talk to them individually, one-on-one, -on -one, privately, you have more of a chance of being heard than speaking up in the, in the group setting and then them being angry. They're angry because they're losing control. Control, oh, control in the group. Mm -hmm. Right. That's all about how they're seen in the group. Right. right. And they don't want to be challenged. They don't want to look bad. So if you don't agree with them, that's making them look bad because they're not controlling the environment around them. Mm. Okay. I guess everybody can dance with a narcissist 
<laughs> I have a question, Angela. Speaking of dance, how does dance and meditation help with self-reflection and dealing with choices? Yeah, and this is the reason I've always used movement and meditation, dance, self-reflection through my movement practice because dance is about feeling yourself when I dance I'm feeling the music and I'm feeling the music in me and it helps me feel myself and meditation is about seeing yourself I read someone talk about their first meditation experience and they were shocked when they did it about all the noise and the crazy thoughts they were so shocked <laughs> and then after practice they began to see that silence within it took a while but they they saw it but the first thing they saw was the crazy brain some people call it monkey mind it doesn't matter it's we all know what it is it's that noise inside of us so practicing meditation is the art of seeing yourself and the more you do it the more of yourself you begin to see so both dance and meditation help you look inward and stop looking out and dance and meditation activate your senses and your ability to see sense feel and know yourself through the senses and the sixth sense which is your intuition even just the act of looking inward and exploring the silence behind the noise through meditation is a brilliant step to explore who you are without that overstimulation of the outside world. When you dance, you are feeling the parts of yourself that are not spoken and the unconscious. And this gives you better tools of self-reflection because you're sidestepping the intellectual mind that wants to be right, that has to get it right and be successful. Through dance and meditation, you can start to feel the parts of yourself that are far wiser, that are gentler, and that naturally connect you to all life. And so the choices you make when you're connected to your intuition, you're connected to your natural energy to all life, are naturally in balance and considerate of your needs and they're not jostled about by concepts of who you think you are think you are and those concepts of who you think you are are more often than not quite harsh they're quite unrealistic <laughs> and they're set up to make you feel less and they stop you from feeling that great self that lives inside you your higher self your intuition and your heart. When I heard that, I I was visioning you dancing, you dancing gracefully around. <laughs> it was very nice. Angela, I think making the right choices sometimes can be difficult, but through self-reflection, meditation, dance, and knowing what is best for you can help you with those decisions. Angela and I hope that you enjoyed this podcast and that it was helpful. 
for you to make your right choices for you. And thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed the podcast, how about becoming a monthly supporter of this podcast? And we'll have that in the show notes. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Building Better Relationships with Angela and Patty. Send us a message and please like or share the podcast or donate with the Anchor Donate button. We really value your feedback. 